The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode 41, The Ugly Hegel, continued. Like episodes 38 and 39, episodes 40 and 41 form a unit, written together but separated because of length and complexity. Please listen to both as a unit. When Kant made it clear that human reason is fundamentally limited in its ability to grasp truth, he denied the possibility of any such special and private insight. Rationality is the province of humanity, not strictly of individuals. And what can be rationally known can be known by any human being. And the processes by which knowledge is tested are not private, but public. The Western Church, too, battled such claims to higher, esoteric insight in its early days. Gnosticism was declared heretical by the Church in the second century, and for good reasons. In objecting to Kant's critique of pure reason, Hegel denied transcendence to salvage the clarity of insight promised by the enlightenment of absolute knowledge. He also reopened the door to Gnostic insight, first for himself in taking God's seat, but progressively wider and wider as the death of transcendence removed any real obstacles to reason's free play. The results have been a mixed bag, fruitful on one hand, tragic, even catastrophic on the other. I do not deny the value of many of the insights of Hegelian thinkers, but what they lack, what they ignore and seek to suppress, is the balance of complexity in rational humility versus the hubris of special knowledge, of simplistic ideology based on special insight, insight that all too often is simply declaring the part for the whole usually as a means to their chosen ends. Kant offered balance. Leaving to science the realm of the empirically real, he preserved all the power and insight of scientific inquiry, the Enlightenment's great gift. His transcendental idealism preserved a realm of speculative explanation and free inquiry, the realm of faith, leaving to humanity the possibility of freedom ethics, imagination, and transcendent possibility, including transcendent value. While transcendence may be shrouded in mystery, it is a mystery that is rationally approachable. Kant crowned the Enlightenment by enshrining reason as man's greatest faculty, while at the same time preserving for reason a link to the transcendent in faith. Kant carved out conceptual space for all of humanity's exceptional, indeed, rational, capacities. For music and poetry, imagination and emotion, religion and science, psychology and philosophy. The cost? Transcendent knowledge is denied. But what we lose to knowledge is open to reason as possible in faith. 
We cannot know we are free, but we can believe it. Act as if we know it, as if it is true, and still be rational. Kant, following Socrates, preserves human ignorance in the face of being. The value of intellectual humility, of skepticism. Human freedom can neither be affirmed nor denied as knowledge, but it can be believed. The test then, of such postulates, is the test of life, of experience. Just as in science we test our hypotheses against the experimental data. By their fruits you will know them. The Enlightenment project loses only its hubristic claims to certainty, to determinism, to absolute knowledge. It is this Western conception of a limited intellect that was embodied in the capitalist West, which became the common enemy of both Hegelian right and left. These, despite their antagonisms, were far more aligned with each other than with their common enemy. I stand with Kant and the West, though only to the extent that they stand with Christ. It is worth noting that transcendence need not have a theistic flavor. But it must mean that there is an objective order of truth and reality beyond experience, and that we can asymptotically approach that truth, that reality. Hegel's strategic denial of transcendence, by contrast, may restore a worldview in which absolute knowledge is achievable by reason, but only at the cost of ethics, truth, and logic. A cost, I argue, that we have yet to fully calculate, which we are still incurring, and about which we are seldom, if ever, honest. Honesty, after all, is based on the acceptance of a transcendent truth, an unchanging value, and often runs counter to the consequentialist ethic that dominates our Hegelian mindset, to choosing those means that best achieve our ends. Inexorable consequences flow from Hegel's denial of transcendence, and it is in Marx that those consequences begin to manifest most clearly. Marx's dialectical materialism stood on two justifications, the historical and the ethical, both of which are prescriptive. 1. Capitalism will self-destruct from internal contradiction as the capitalists exploit their workforce, impoverishing them into an ever-increasing misery, producing an inevitable revolution. Following the revolution, socialism will prove superior in producing and distributing wealth, the promised utopia. 2. Socialism is ethically superior, as it is based not on a profit motive, but on an ethic of social justice. This is the positive formulation. Negatively, capitalism is a moral horror that must not be tolerated. This judgment flows from that special knowledge that reduces a complex whole 
to a part, metaphysically and ethically. The world, Marx tells us, is simply the material and economic conditions and nothing more. And because those existing conditions produce an unequal distribution of economic advantage, the existing conditions cannot and should not hold. They cannot hold because the deterministic process that is dialectical materialism must inevitably overcome the thesis through the antithesis, necessarily bringing about socialism. They should not hold because the utopia is the end for and by which all means are justified. Thus, it is Marx's prerogative from God's seat to express special knowledge of the world, to prescribe it metaphysically, to judge it deficient in light of what it will be when it is aufgehoben, and thereby also to prescribe what should be ethically speaking. The world as it is, the dialectical thesis, is evil, since it stands in opposition to progress. And that which opposes the antithesis is good and right as a means to socialism, to equal distribution, the socialist utopia. Both justifications have had their trial in the crucible of the 20th century. In both cases, the predictions, the expectations, the very moral pretext for socialism's superiority have not only been disproven, but shown to be precisely opposite what Marx predicted. Follow the science? The people of the West prospered at all levels, while those murderous regimes, both right and left, opposed as all of them were to the classically liberal vision, displayed the superiority of the liberal West on the basis of their own benchmarks. Socialism, in all its 20th century incarnations, was brutally murderous and repressive to its own people, and economically failed to meet the most basic standards of civilized countries. The statistics are staggering, even if they are seldom reported or taught in our schools. Ask a child today about totalitarianism in the 20th century, and they will rightly tell you about the horrors and evils of the Nazis. But for some reason, they know next to nothing about the Marxist horrors, which far exceed those of the National Socialists. Shame on us. Marx will be the continuing focus in our next edition of The Ugly Hegel. In the notes to this episode, I am including some valuable links to explore some of the statistics on totalitarian atrocities in the 20th century, as well as some helpful resources for understanding Marx. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. 
I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.